All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, this team. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to serve you, to worship you by serving your people. Lord, and as we serve, as we lead, as we, as we give our time and energy to your church, Lord, that is an act of worship to you. And Lord, we worship you with our service, and not just with our lips. We do worship you with our lips, but we worship you with our lives and, and all that we have. And Father, we commit this into your hands, uh, this uh, church Three congregations, Lord, we commit it. And we pray, Lord, that as leaders, we would stay very tuned in to you, Lord, that we'd be so close to you that we could, we could not only hear you whisper, but we could feel your breath uh, when you whisper, and so that we don't have to be shouted at, Lord, that we follow the whisper, uh, Lord, that uh, we are... On, in, in time and in tune with you, Lord, that we're not ahead of you, we're not behind, Lord, and that we're, we're, we're pursuing Lord, what you have for us, but also for our congregations, Lord. And it's one and the same, Lord, that our victory is seeing other people uh, obtain victory, Lord, and that uh, we rejoice when we see other people rejoicing and Father, thank you for the privilege of being called into this, into this wonderful thing called ministry and leadership. And thank you for this group that we get to do it together. <clears throat> Such a wonderful, wonderful team in Jesus' name. So, you know, it's kind of an uh, uh, overly stated uh, thing, but every journey starts what with a... A simple step, right? You have you have to you have to start somewhere, which is your origin, right? Your starting point. <clears throat> we all have a starting point, and then there's the journey, right? And what else? What's the, the third? The destination. So then you have a destination. So what good is an origin without a journey? If you have an origin but you don't have a journey, what are you? Stuck. All right. How about having a journey? You're on a journey. Where are you going? I don't know. You're lost. All right. Or how about the destination keeps changing? You're confused. And so, which of these are most important? Yeah, they're all, they're all important. And if you don't know your origin, even if you have an idea of your destination, but you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know your orientation, you were mapping, and I was a Boy Scout, I never even made tenderfoot. <laughs> I just went to the camp and had fun. I'm like, you have to do all these things to get a badge? Just let me shoot the guns and the bows and arrows and go camping. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but 
If you don't know, so but I did learn how to read a map and navigate. Uh, I never got the badge. <laughs> so in order to get somewhere, you need to know where you're coming from. And then in between the origin and the destination is the journey. And that's really what I'm talking about today. And so what is what comprises a journey? What are some parts of the journey? Huh? Steps. Obstacles. Huh? Process. What did she say? Did she? Progress. And process. She said both. What else? Okay. Stuff. You need stuff, right? People. It's not like you can have a fantasy journey. That's called a video game. Landscape. Landscape. What do you mean by that? You mean you mean something more than just? I mean, there's surroundings. Surroundings, environment. Time. This is great. Experience. Baggage. The stuff you bring along. Supplies. Problem solving. And mentor. Why would you need a mentor? Luke needed a mentor. <laughs> <laughs> Luke? <laughs> I met Luke too. I met Luke Skywalker. Of course. <laughs> it's the only reason you need a mentor, because Luke had a mentor. <laughs> Someone who guides you. You need direction. You need rest stops. A map. How to get there. Wisdom, energy. What else? Fuel. Well, you need fuel. And it help, helps if you have fuel economy, so you use the fuel wisely, or else what? You'll run out, and you won't get Where? to the destination. So all of this stuff translates <clears throat> into our, our life, really, as uh, Christians, as individuals. You all have an origin. You all have a destination. And you all have a journey. Okay? It, it translates, it applies to our ministries and our churches. We had an origin, started, and we have a destination, but you know what, the majority of time is spent on the journey, okay? And so I just kind of want to talk, I'm going to avoid my notes, I have notes, and then I, I threw them away, I do have a scratch here, oops. <clears throat> so, and just real quickly, I want to, you know, just remind us of kind of like the journey, the story of this church. And it really started 40 years ago. Can you believe it? We started out as a church, and, and that wasn't the beginning of the journey. That was, just, that was actually uh, a part of someone else's journey. Pastor Ken Norberg, who founded the church 40 years ago, and I was the fourth person in the church, right? 
and brand new Christian, and it was amazing, and things happened. A lot of young families came along, and it was a, it was a good experience. It was presence-based. He was a worship leader, phenomenal, and that's, that's why we have in our DNA, right, Carrie? We want to reproduce and give, um, I've talked with Carrie often, you know, we want to give the same opportunities to the next generation that Pastor Ken gave to us by teaching us what worship is and how to get into God's presence. And then there was a major uh, uh, step along that way, which was called the Toronto Revival. And it rocked our world because previous to that, we were a, a hyper-independent. We, we wouldn't say this, but we were the really the only really good church. Not in town, in probably the whole world. <laughs> well, that's because we were, both of our churches had the same problem. And then we got blown away by God's presence and everything changed and, and brought us to a whole other level. And we got connected with people like Rick and, and, and Curtis Hines and, and, all, and from all over the world and introduced to new ideas and the heart a message of healing up the heart and the Father's love message, all of that, just like as a church, it was like God stuck a, a big giant spiritual IV into, into our arm and just started pumping in this nourishment of truth that opened our brains and like we thought we had it together and we were actually just posers. We were faking it. You know, we didn't know what we were doing, and all of a sudden, wow. <clears throat> and so that was a major milestone. Um, and, uh, and it continues. You know, this journey, it's like you pick up things along the journey that you're meant to carry with you. And there, there's experiences and obstacles that you overcome, but you learn something through that, and you carry it with So we're not, we're not leaving that behind, right? We're carrying it with us. And uh, unto our destination, whatever that destination, what is the destination? Destination. (laughs) Origin. Journey. And, uh, you know, some other significant things happened. It was 20 years ago. Can you believe it's been 20 years? that I became the senior pastor. And lots of things changed then. And we really, really emphasize, you know, we want to be a church that is healthy for families. And we really want to nurture young families and make room for children. You know why? Because my wife and I had four little kids. <laughs> you know, in a four-hour service, just wasn't going to make it anymore. And, you know, you just, kids can't stay in a room for that long. And so we started changing things and really prioritizing uh, family-friendly ministry and, and making things uh, accessible to people that may have never experienced charismatic world and, and worship and how to make that better. But also um, there was a vision for church planning, which I caught really, from a guy named Steve Witt, who was part of our uh, network years ago and still is a good friend. And whenever I was around him, I just wanted to plant churches and, so, uh, and launch new churches. And so you're setting in the fruit of that vision, all right? 
This church would not be here if it wasn't for that passion that I picked up and then nurtured for years. And, uh, you know, this wasn't the first experiment. <laughs> you know, this was actually several uh, into it. And we had launched a church up in Grand Rapids, and that was a, an, a, within five years. I remember at our first meeting, I think Mark was there, uh, at, when I gathered leaders together, I was like, my vision for the church is that, you know, maybe about every five years we'll, we'll plant a church. And you know what? We've done that. So that first one, Grand River Church, we planted within five years. That was hard. I gave up my best, our best, and it was really difficult, and it took a long time to rebound for that. And then about five years later, uh, 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 so about 10 years in, Scott and Stephanie, who had been the associates and just pillars, just leaders along with me, God sent them to South Carolina. I'm like, what? The plan was to Traverse City, you know, close enough that we could be part of it. But they went to South Carolina. But thank God they did, you know, because now they have a vibrant church. And we have a whole family that if you haven't been down here, you should uh, visit. Don't move. <laughs> yeah, visit in the summer. <laughs> no, yeah, it's horrible in the summer. Uh, I'm going to be visiting them in two weeks. But, and, and then, so New Day, South Carolina was launched. And that was the first one that we did that they kept the name because they wanted to really stay. They wanted to reproduce. And I'm telling you, that was their vision, was to reproduce what we were doing in, in Kalamazoo. And they literally copied everything. They took our brochures. They just changed the address. To, and eventually developed their own stuff. And, and it's just, it just rocketed. It's been tremendous success. And then about five years after that, God positioned us to, to come and start this church. And I still am like, I can't believe it. I was driving Rick down. I said, I thought we'd plant a church here, Schoolcraft. You know, but God said, no, you got to go a little further. And we got the three of us. I thought we might plant a church here. No, it's not quite far enough. <laughs> Another 15 miles. And then we, we do here. And so, and now it brings us to a place where we, uh, you know, we had the, uh, Grand River and South Carolina as branch out, and now we really have, uh, I really see this as the direction we're going, but there's Vandalia, there's still Nichols, there's, and then there's Vine. It's almost like Vandalia and Vine were twins. Um, <clears throat> you guys had the twins when you first started coming, because I, I it was only about a year between the launch of this and then transitioning the vine from a young adult ministry to a full-on church. And now we have three congregations that are, are moving. We, we're all one. And, and over the past, really, three years, we've really worked hard to build unity. That's when we started doing, is this the third or fourth? This is the fourth one, isn't it? Yeah, because we did one up in, in Muskegon, the first one, and we did two here. And so this would be the fourth of our combined leadership retreats. Why are we doing this? Because we want the leaders from all three congregations to know each other. Look around. You guys know each other now. You know, I love it. 
I absolutely love it that you can, you, when we talk about Vandalia, it's not abstract, it's not imaginary. Rick, you know, still kind of, which one's Vandalia? Which one's mine? Because <laughs> he's seeing this for the first time. But you come down here, you experience it, you know the other people that you're working with. We are really working together. And, uh, you know, churches grow best in clusters. It's kind of like grapes. You, you, you need the support. And um, over the last several years, uh, 320 and beyond, we've really been working together to support one another. Uh, and so this church has been in, really key, integral to the fundraising, to pay off Nichols and the payoff Vine, and, and people from this church did tremendous things to help renovate Vine. And then we come down here and get this building and, and helping here, rotating teachers, rotating worship leaders, all of that. Each church, each congregation has strengths. And when we work together, we actually, all three of us, are stronger. Um, and we're going to continue the 320 and beyond. We're going to be talking more about that over the course of the next few weeks and, and months. We're going to continue things like the Strength Finders. I love that Mary Lee teamed us up with uh, based on our Strength Finder results. That's a great tool to identify uh, uh, you know, individual people's strengths and capitalize on that. And there's other tools that we may continue introduce and continue to use the Strength Finder. Uh, Curtis Hines was here last year, evangelism makeover. We have a long-term goal of increasing the level of evangelism uh, in our culture. Okay? You can't do that in one seminar. How long does it take to change a culture? Five years that we have to commit to. How can we get more evangelistic? How can we be better uh, at making disciples? Uh, and how can, we, how can we break out and be more effective in reaching our culture, reaching people in our neighborhoods? This county has 52,000 people. This church, I think, has the potential of easily hitting 1,000. Easily. Why not? You know, and there's uh, close to 250,000 in Kalamazoo County. You know, and... And so the vision has to be for the lost. So we're working on building that. We've been including that. But all of those things are just tools on our journey. Okay? And, uh, you know, what's the destination? I'm not as concerned. I mean, what is the destination? Heaven. heaven. Okay, how do you get to heaven? Jesus. You gotta die. All right. If, when Jesus comes back, everyone who's not dead will experience death. Did you know that? It is appointed once for all men to die. So people are like, I hope I'm alive when Jesus comes back. Really? Because you're going to die then. <laughs> I told that to someone, they'd never heard it before. I'm like, how else do you think it happens? Do you think you get exempted from dying? This... He's got to, yeah, he's got to die too. Because the mortal can't inherit immortality. This corruptible can't put on incorruption. Okay, so at some point, in order to get your resurrected, how many want a resurrected body? You want to keep your body? Okay, that's another teaching. You know what I think? Listen, Philippians chapter 3, 12. Paul said, not that I have attained or am already perfected, but I press on. 
Paul's writing this. After decades in ministry, he wrote most of the New Testament. He planted church. He defined what church means. When he wrote the book of Ephesus, it's considered the, the definition of what church is. And he's writing to the Philippians, sitting in jail. He says, I'm not there yet, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, Got this eye on the destination. I'm going for it. I'm not going to be held back by the thing that happened 20 years ago. And you can be held back by bad things. Bad things happen. But you can be held back by good things. And you know what? It's just as destructive as being held back by bad things. I love that revival. Driving six, seven hours, going in that building, laying on the floor. I want that to continue. But I don't want to have to drive to Toronto to get it. Right? That border crossing. I hate the drive. It's like seven hours. I've driven it a thousand times. Why? Because that was part of my journey. I had to keep driving up there until I got it. I got it! And now I'm pressing forward uh, for what lies ahead. I like, we're getting to the, the point. The next verse is, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pushing forward into that. He said, therefore... Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. If, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will teach you. <laughs> what mind? What's the mind that we're in? What, how does Paul, in that verse, define maturity? Dropping what's behind you moving, moving forward. What is spiritual maturity then? Jesus. He is spiritually mature. How can, you, how can you determine whether you're spiritually mature based on this verse? That you're moving. Not that you have obtained a proficiency. Oh, I've done that. I'm mature. I'm a leader. I'm now mature. I get to teach. I'm part of the teaching team. <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm a pastor. I've attained. No, man, that's not, you're not even, that's immaturity. That is immaturity. Mm-hmm. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm an international known speaker. Like, I'm an internationally known speaker. Rick's an internationally known speaker. <laughs> you know what I say? Who cares? Who cares? That's not maturity. <laughs> Maturity is proficiency and the ability to climb. Okay? It's not that you reach the mountain. What does a mountain climber do once they get to the top of the mountain? They spend usually less than three minutes on the top of a mountain. 
People that climb Mount Everest, two, three minutes. You know why? Because, yeah, stinking cold. <laughs> and then they got to go all the way back down. And you know what they're thinking about? The next mountain. So it's the provision, it's the ability, that's what maturity is. That's real maturity. <clears throat> and as a church, you know, what is New Day? We're people that are passionate for Jesus, that are committed to, and that passion moves us to make disciples that multiply churches. All right? So there's, there's three main ingredients to this. And this is the point of my whole message. All of the other stuff are tools and experiences in our journey, and all of that has value. But if we don't understand what we're aiming for as churches, then it's like you get distracted. And it's like, yeah, you know, don't get distracted by the tools. You know, I, I, I know people that like really love their tools. I'm like, what do you ever do with the tools? They don't do anything with the tools. They're like tool collectors. <laughs> it's an antique show. I get this guy who owns this really cool car. I've never seen it because every time I go over to his house, it's covered. And I'm like, would you just, can I look at it? He's like, oh, no. He doesn't want to uncover it because then he'd have to clean it again. I don't know. I'm like, man, I, I buy a car to drive. All right? I don't care about the rest of it. And not, not the, I mean, uh, hobbies are great. You all have hobbies. You know what my hobby is. Moving on a motorcycle. <laughs> okay, and so there's, there's several aspects that I want uh, to draw attention to uh, to you as a church, uh, as your leaders. And uh, I have to really concentrate to spell. <laughs> okay, first one is making disciples. What does that involve? Being a disciple. What else? Sharing gospel. Sharing gospel. Okay. Uh, friendships. Time. time. All this takes time. What else? Energy. Tools, energy. What does making a disciple look like? Teaching, training. Teaching, <clears throat> training. Uh, training. Uh, what did you say? Uh, raising. Can we say raising and releasing? So making disciple means more than making a convert. And that's traditionally what people think of. Go make disciples. Oh, have altar calls. Say a prayer. You're, we can count you. But that's not making a disciple. So, what's that? Yeah, you need to do that. We can't, and, and we need to get, actually, we need to get better at that. So that we can do all this other stuff. What are some other things? You can't have a disciple before you have a You need to. You can start discipling before that. You can disciple unto salvation. Yeah. Strengths that'd be part of raising and releasing, I think, and training strengths. H and R, big part. <laughs> you know, and this this is what we do, right? As a church and other things, 
training, equipping, giving them opportunity, uh, all of this stuff. Uh, and the big one that we haven't actually said the word starts with a D. Making disciples includes discipleship. <laughs> Community groups, all that stuff. We're good at that. We just do that. Uh, everything from Sunday school, did you want to say something? Just go for it. Just think of the scripture. Uh, casting out demons and healing the sick. Yeah. Demonstrating the team. Yeah. Is that the same or... Kingdom, supernatural healing. Do we want to see more healings? Why? Why did Jesus heal people? Two reasons Jesus healed people. Compassion. He saw the Father doing it. It was demonstrated the kingdom so that people would become Christians. All right? He is moved by compassion. He did signs and wonders. And that draw their attention so that they get... Almost all the miracles were on the streets. And then he gathers disciples. In the discipleship meetings, he wasn't praying for them for healing. He was teaching them. All right? Because they'd already got their attention. And so, yeah, all of this is what we do. But then there's this other thing that we... And we're good at this. And there's more that you can fit, fit in here. Multiplying churches. If you've, heard, you've probably heard me say this, but only about 5% of churches in North America in the life of their existence have ever started another church. There are churches that are 100, 200 years old, and they've never started another church. Why, Why do you think they never started another church? They didn't have a vision for it. What? Everybody died. Everybody died. I know of several churches in Kalamazoo that stopped being a church because the last person died. Yep. You know? Yeah. And then they're like, what do you do with the building? You know? One building is setting empty, and this guy owns it, and he won't let anybody else do a church because he still has a vision for that church that died. I was like... Really, we asked for the building, and, and he wouldn't give it to us. <clears throat> wouldn't even sell it to us. So what's involved in, in multiplying church? Oh, so, so less than 5%. We've planted, I mean, there's New Day, South Carolina. There's Vandalia. There's Vine. There's Grand River that we did. And then through uh, your support in Mexico, sending me, but also sending teams, I don't even know how many churches. They plant five to ten churches a year through Kaleo, and they're just getting started. We plant, help plant churches in uh, Africa and through partners. Uh, I've been worked with uh, in training meetings. I literally don't know how many churches. So what are some things that are involved to plant a church? Money. Money. Let's just say resources. Where did the soundboard come from, Mark? Here in Vandalia. Where did the one before this one come from? <clears throat> from Nick, no, from Nichols, yeah. 
We had this one professionally refurbished. <laughs> what else? What are some other things? A location. Yeah, that's really important. That is really, really important. And I would never have selected Vandalia. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't even know it existed before these guys started coming. Where's Vandalia at? But through a series of God interventions, it's like I was penned into a corner. And I'm like, okay, God, we'll plant a church. <laughs> and then we have this great church down here. Okay, and Vine, uh, you know. I actually I did have a passion for Vine. I used to walk that neighborhood, lay hands on buildings. Uh, and say, God, and now we have a building down there. What else? Leaders. Leaders. Uh, yeah, followers. I love that video. How much? You guys are just sitting there. Mary Jo, Mary Jo. At the table, you said you would be the first one. I thought they'd all run up. Rick, we failed. Mark, uh, tomorrow, Sunday morning, I'll be down here. We'll see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the last time I'm down here. <laughs> what else do we need? Yeah. Solid. You need a team. I will not send out a church launch uh, individual or a couple unless there's a team. Because we tried that in Thailand, they burned out. We tried that in London, completely fizzled. Because they didn't have a team. And a husband and a wife is not a team. They're one flesh. And so there has to be at least two or three others that can, can be there. And then maybe they can go parachute and, and, and work to get a team. And once they have a team, okay, then we'll support a church plant. So, and even the Joneses went down to South Carolina for several years before they actually moved to South Carolina and then uh, drew, uh, attracted the team around them. A couple other things? Prophecy. What's that? Prophecy. Prophecy. That is at God's got to speak. Do we want to do it if God's not telling us to do it? No. No. Uh, you know, and it was a God word that... I, can't, I don't have time for the whole story, but there was a moment where God said, do it for this church. Do it. I'm like, God, I don't want to do it. And it's like, we did it. And with everything, uh, there's got to be a word. Now, it can come in different ways. A couple other things. Multiplying churches. Hmm? Vision. That's the first thing that came out. Why don't churches do it? Because they don't have a vision. And so this is why I'm talking to you about this right now. Right? <clears throat> we have to have a vision for multiplying churches. This is what we're called to. Now listen, there's a big connection between these two. Because every 
person who studies this, uh, it studies how churches grow and, and what's the most effective way to make more disciples, have determined that launching new churches, the planting of new churches, is the most effective way to stimulate evangelism, to stimulate new salvations, is to go into community and create a, a faith-based Christ community in there that then attracts non-believers into that faith community and it reproduces. And guess what? If you read the book of Acts, it's all about the disciples responding to Jesus' commission. What did Jesus say to the disciples right before he ascended into heaven? Matthew 28, 19. Go make disciples. Listen, we can't choose what our, our job description is. Jesus is the head of the church, not Cameron. And so we can change the wording of it and the application of it, but ultimately we are to make disciples, and making disciples leads to churches. Okay, And churches exist to make disciples. And then the whole, the whole story of the book of Acts is the disciples responding to Jesus' commission to make disciples, and then they plant churches all throughout uh, Palestine, and then... Uh, Asia Minor, and then eventually into Europe. And so it's a story of, it spans about 50 years of the early church. And what you see is them going and planting. And I love the story where Paul lands in Ephesus and he shows up and he finds about a dozen guys that had heard about Jesus and he just starts talking to them and gets them filled with the Holy Spirit. They hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit, and he gets them filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he begins teaching those 12, and they draw others. And after three years of Paul staying there, training others to train others, they would send teams out from Ephesus to the other towns, their Vandalias, their Dwajaks, their Vicksburgs, their Battle Creeks, um, all of that part of Asia, after three years, had, had heard the gospel. And what that means is that there were churches established in all those cities. And those ended up being mo- many of the churches that are listed in the book of Revelations later in the book, because they were all in that region. Um, and you can go there if you want. You can come with me. <clears throat> and so multiplying churches and making disciples are really, in, in, in one way, the same the same thing. It's really connected, and we have to have a vision for that. One other thing that I would put in here is, is prayer. Oh, yeah. You know, it has to be motivated. It has to be fueled by prayer. But you know what? If we don't... These, these are all things that we do, but why do we do it? Why do we do these things? And for me, as I said earlier, and for us as a church... It's our passion for Jesus. Okay, so it's kind of like a cross, isn't it? Passion for Jesus. What, did I say something funny? Give Bill a hand. (laughs) We know he wanted the attention, so. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what happens if you're doing this, but you lose that? Burnout. You know, you've, what did Paul, uh, John write in Revelation? Jesus said, was, the church, was it the church in Ephesus? That they'd lost their first, their first love. You're doing all this good stuff, but you've lost your passion. All right? Yeah, you can become legalistic. You've got to do this, then you've got to do this, then you've got to do this, then you've got to do that. You know? And that's not, that's not flowing out of passion. This is a to-do list. What happens if you get all passionate for Jesus and you don't do anything? I know people like that. You know people like that? Too many. Actually, right now, I think in America, I don't know about Canada, it's kind of like the thing to do. Uh, when the revival was really in its, in its height, um, people would sell everything they had to go to Toronto. We met this family. They sold everything and they bought a school bus. And they had like three or four kids and they were homeschooling their kids in the school bus, living in a parking lot so they could go to the revival meetings. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, a plus on the passion. You know, I don't know. We, I met this one guy. I forget his name. He lived up in uh, near Lansing, <clears throat> and uh, kind of came friends because we lived in the same place, and we were having revival meetings, in, uh, in uh, every Friday night at our church, and he'd come down, you know, to the revival meeting. And then it was years later, Brownsville, remember, not Brownsville, but uh, Lakeland, yeah. you know, a couple of us went down there, and we circled the baseball diamond, this is massive, there's thousands and thousands of people, and there's two rows, you're standing across from somebody, because the prayer team went through and prayed for everybody, and straight across from me was the guy from Lansing, he was like, Cameron, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember his name, Joe, is that you? Dad, I haven't seen you in years. <laughs> That's, he, he doesn't go to church. He just goes to conferences and revival things. So, but do we need passion? We need passion so that we make disciples and we make disciples and multiply churches as an expression of our passion for Christ. That's always the purpose and we can't confuse that, but we have to take that and implement it. Jesus died on the cross, the passion of Christ, for a purpose. And that's to see many sons come to glory. And that results in the church being built. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay, where do you fit in? If this is who we are as a church... We're people passionate for Christ, making disciples that multiply churches. Where's your strength? Huh? Not sure. Well, good. Good answer. Will you pray about that? 
because we not only need, we're, we've, as a leadership team, we, we get to meet together twice a week. Um, the pastors, we've been talking about some stuff, and we realize, actually, as a church, we're really good at discipling people, but we need to learn how to make disciples that make disciples. Mm-hmm. All right? And if we don't learn how to do that, we've actually, we, we, we're stuck. We're not going to get to our destination. Because the goal of this church is not just to get 150 people in this room and stay coming to this place until the last one dies. Right? The goal is to plant another church. Actually, not just one. I want each one of our churches to plant at least 20 churches. Right? And I've, I'm actually up to about 10 that I've personally been involved in, in launching churches. And so i got about 10, 12 more to go. But that's not my limit. That's my minimum. All right? And then if each one of our churches had that same goal. So this changes the, 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 that, this changes what you're going for. It's not just so Kurt can be a better Christian, a better version of his Christian self. It's so you can reproduce. You know? So you can reproduce who you are to someone else. And so you need to know. And maybe you're really good at friendship. Man, maximize that. Lean into that strength. But then see it as part of the overall goal of making disciples. And ultimately, we want to take people that are being trained in discipleship and being healed up, all right, and bring them over and become either the pillars or the leaders of the next team. And my, our goal is to see that everyone in our congregations know where they're at. Are they just getting plugged in? Or are they being trained to be one of the followers for the next church plant? Or maybe they're being trained to be the leader or on a lead team for the next launch. You know, when? When you're ready. All right, and, right, and we need to build churches, the whole 320 and beyond. It's not just to build an addition on nickels or pay off this building. That is not the goal. That just gives us resources so that we have a location and can add a location. So we're about making disciples, multiplying churches out of our passion for Jesus. Amen? All right, we have an activity. 1245. Have an activity, and then Rick's going to come and do another session. Is there a break? The activity's like a break, and then Rick's going to talk about staying true to our mission. And then you're going to have another group discussion that I would like you to discuss this idea of where are you, and how can we stay true as a church with. Our maturity level is being good at this. What's this? Being good at being passionate for Jesus. We're people that are passionate for Jesus, that make disciples, that make disciples, that multiply churches, that multiply churches. All right? And in that, I don't care how big the church gets. If it's got a vision to make disciples and multiply churches, we'll reach our destination which is preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth until Christ comes back or we die.